Hello, and welcome to the Peace of Mind podcast, hosted by the National Centre for Mental Health, also known as NCMH. We're a research centre made up of Cardiff, Bangor and Swansea universities, and together we're looking into the causes and triggers of mental ill health. I'm Catherine and I'm the Communications Manager at NCMH. Today we're going to be chatting about research into the causes of dementia with Sue Strawn and George Lush. Sue was retired following a career in publishing and has raised more than £30,000 for Alzheimer's Research UK after she received a diagnosis of vascular dementia in 2014 when she was 57. George is a senior psychology assistant with us at NCMH and is part of the UK Minds team recruiting people with experiences of dementia and other cognitive conditions, as well as psychosis, schizophrenia, bipolar and depression. Just wanted to make a quick note before we started today. Um, Sue was kind of pointed out to us to kind of make the clear distinction about the fact that we usually discuss mental ill health, which is conditions like anxiety and depression. But we're talking about dementia today. That's actually a neurological condition. And that there is that difference between them. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today. George, I'm going to come to you first. Um, and I was hoping you could give us a little bit of context. So could you tell us about the cognitive disorders that UK Minds is investigating and why that research is happening? Absolutely. Yeah. So for some context, um, the UK Minds Project is a brand new collaboration between the NCMH um, and our funders, Acrivia Health. We sort of share a common interest in learning a lot more about numerous conditions so that we can design kind of more tailored, more specific treatments for these disorders um, and kind of the range of different ways they can look. So, for example, two different people might be diagnosed with depression, but they won't have the same variety of depression. Um, and those presentations will be completely different and therefore should have different treatments. And that's something we're really kind of interested in and is at the forefront of our minds the whole way through this, really. The psychiatric disorders we look at include, as you said, things like depression and bipolar disorders. Um, we also look at schizophrenia and psychosis. Um, but besides those disorders, we're also looking at a number of cognitive disorders. Um, generally, these include dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Um, something to touch on here is that these terms are often used quite interchangeably, but there are some quite key differences between them. Dementia is more of an umbrella term for a decline in mental abilities like memory, um, problem solving, things like complex thinking. Uh, right now, there are roughly 850,000 people in the UK living with dementia, and by 2040, research suggests that, that figure might even double. So whilst it might seem pretty common right now, we are looking at something which could become a lot more prevalent and therefore we should be driving a lot more attention towards this. A lot more um, research efforts should be kind of diverted towards solving this and learning more about it so that we can again develop those very specific treatments. There are also kind of a range of factors which can, can contribute to and cause dementia disorders, uh, things like a stroke or neurological disorders like Parkinson's disease, um, more genetic disorders like Huntington's disease, and as well as things like mentally ill health or depression, a history of alcohol, drug use, or just normal aging, which of course is something we all go through as a normal part of um, life. So as you can see, there are really a number of factors which can cause dementia, and that kind of sort of serves to explain why it's so common and why we might be seeing it become even more common as time goes on. On the other hand, Alzheimer's is kind of a term within that umbrella term of dementia. Um, it's the most common dementia disorder we face in the UK and generally speaking worldwide, making up at least 50% of cases in most countries. Um, what makes it more specific than the general term of dementia is that cognitive decline here can be attributed to a buildup of proteins. The running terms for these are amyloid plaques and neurofibrillary tangles. And these kind of lie throughout the brain and can kind of course throughout brain cells and around them and disrupt their ability to communicate with each other and let us do tasks like remembering recent information, um, carrying out tasks like cooking or cleaning or self-care, dressing ourselves, that kind of thing. 
And it can also have a really big impact on our spatial memory, which is usually our way of knowing where we are um, and kind of how to get from A to B. So that sort of thing is really restricted in people who suffer from Alzheimer's disorders due to those protein buildups. But besides dementia and Alzheimer's disease, we are also investigating a number of subjective and mild cognitive impairments. They can be kind of similar to um, dementia disorders and Alzheimer's, but generally don't fit that profile. The reason for this might just be because they aren't severe enough to warrant a depression, di sorry, dementia diagnosis or an Alzheimer's diagnosis, or it could be because they aren't being caused by something like those amyloid plaque buildups, those protein buildups I mentioned earlier, um, and therefore we're kind of unsure of the cause of those cognitive declines. But with regards to why our research is happening, we have two primary aims in mind here. So the first is to learn a lot more about the causes of mental health problems. Um, and through doing that, find new ways of treating them, design more specific treatments for those different presentations of disorder. And secondarily, to reduce stigma towards mental health and towards cognitive impairments um, and towards all kinds of dementia disorders, which can act as a very real and very significant barrier to people who um, are maybe even aware that something is going wrong, but don't know how to access that really crucial treatment and care they need and honestly deserve to live um, you know, a healthy life. Um, I was just going to comment just the sheer numbers that you were speaking about and the fact that that number is going to double. It's really heartening to be able to kind of discuss the fact that this research like this is happening. So, Sue, I was going to come to you next. Lovely to have a chance to talk with somebody like yourself. And I was just kind of hoping if you could kind of paint a picture for us about your experiences and how you've come to talk to us today. So, yes, yeah, so I was diagnosed, as you said, when I was 57 with vascular dementia. And it came about because I had something called a TGA. That's a transient global amnesia. I drove from my home in Herefordshire to a friend in Surrey, stayed overnight at the friend's house and the following day, she and I cut down a holly tree with my chainsaw. Uh, and my partner, Sheila, was uh, in the lounge of the friend's house. And I walked in and said to her, where am I? And she knew I was, I'm a bit of a joker, or I think I am. Um, but she knew I was serious because I was completely ashen. And I kept repeating myself. So we went to the local um, uh, A&E. And one of the doctors there explained that yes it was something called a transient global amnesia and that I'd probably never have one again and I would probably recover completely but I didn't and so 18 months after that I got a diagnosis of vascular dementia which I had two reactions to that the first was I knew there was something wrong and the second was dementia oh my goodness um, because at the time my understanding of dementia was through the experience of a, a next door neighbor of mine who had vascular dementia and who had become horrible, uh, very aggressive, really unpleasant. So I was really quite scared uh, at that point. And, and I do still have moments of feeling um, worried about the future and upset by it. However, I after 18 months of, of being depressed and thinking, oh, well, that's it, my um, my GP suggested that I should get fit. Uh, and so I ran a marathon, like you do. You do, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I ran the London Marathon in 2018 for Alzheimer's Research UK. And since then, um, I, I cannot praise the charity enough because they exist for a cure. That's our current logo is for a cure. And being involved with them and, and doing fundraising, awareness raising talks is so good for my own well-being. It's a, a reason to get up in the morning. And I think everybody needs that, that um, impetus, if you like, to, to get up and do something. 
And it isn't always easy. You know, there are mornings where I absolutely do not feel like I'm going to be able to do it. And, and sometimes I have to cancel things because I can't do it. But being with the charity, as I say, has been so uh, positive. And that's, in fact, how I heard about the work that you're doing, because I was doing a talk uh, to some of the researchers at the UK Dementia Research Institute in the same building as you. And uh, I was asked if I'd like to be involved in your project. So that, that's a little bit about um, how, how I became involved and about my backstory. Um, I live with my partner and our dog. We've been together 31 years, uh, not the dog, my partner <laughs> and I. Um, we've had the dog for eight years. It feels like 80 sometimes. She's, uh, she's, she's a good girl, but she has her moments. A bit of a um, character. <laughs> uh, a bit of a character, definitely. <laughs> Um, uh, Family-wise, I have three brothers, uh, three sisters-in-law, seven nieces and nephews, and five great-nieces and nephews, um, and a, an amazingly supportive family, which is, is so helpful. My own father had uh, some form of dementia, but because it was in the late 70s, early 80s, we actually don't know what it was. Um, and you know, again, there's a lot of research now going on into whether things are hereditary or not. And and uh, gene, uh, I can't, I can't, sorry, I can't think of the word, but you know, when people research into your genes and discover whether you have something um, that will affect you in future life. Um, so yeah, so um, my own father's dementia, I wish we'd known more about it because we could have helped my mum, but there wasn't the knowledge that there is now. And I'm passionate about research because I do believe that this is the way forward um, for perhaps too late for me, but not for future generations. So that's that's why I continue to do what I do. Brilliant. Thank you. I just wanted to touch as well on something that we chatted about um, earlier. Yes. That obviously you're chatting to us today. We're talking about the dementia side of research. But actually, when we're talking about mental ill health, um, it's something separate that you've got an experience with as well. Um, and that that is a bit of a difference with our UK Minds project, actually, is that it's looking at both sides of things, psychiatric disorders, as well as the cognitive conditions. Yes. Um, I was just wondering if you wanted to chat to us a little bit about that as well, with your experience on the other side of things when it comes to your mental health. Yeah, um, part of the reason that I was interested in it was because I've always struggled with um, stress and anxiety and I, I had a, a long period of work uh, back gosh 25 years ago uh, with depression and I just think it's really important people talk about um, mental health we all have mental health it's just a case of what state it's in and having the dementia has really added to the, the the stress levels if you like but in order that my dementia doesn't worsen it's important that I don't get stressed so I think it, it for me it's a really good project because it covers both aspects of of my my health if you like. Um, but as you say, it's really important to point out that that dementia is a neurological condition. It's not a mental health issue, but the two can go together. And it, yeah, it's something we're seeing more and more, and it's again heartening to kind of see like we've got other projects at the university that are looking into that you know where those kind of things meet in the middle as you know we're talking about physical conditions mental health cognitive so yeah I think it's really positive that things like UK Minds are happening and lovely that we get to meet people like yourselves through the through the participants that we meet as well <laughs> you just so it's something you touched on already George I'm just going to bring you back in but 
you know, what are we aiming to do with the research and how is NCMH planning on doing it? And kind of, could you tell us a little bit about what the hopes are going to be of the impact of that research? Yeah, absolutely. So the data we are collecting right now is going to hopefully um, supplement some pre-existing data, which exists kind of in its own data set. Um, and it's kind of of a similar nature to what we're collecting right now, which is namely kind of interview and blood sample data. Um, so the blood sample data in particular is really key to the UK Minds research that we're doing right now. Um, we take samples from every single participant, and these samples undergo kind of a range of different biomarker analyses, which can tell us a lot more about what aspects of, for example, a person's biology, like their genetics, um, might contribute to the development and specific presentation of their mental health condition or their cognitive disorder. Um, besides this, we also conduct an interview um, for all UK Minds participants alongside that blood sample. Um, and also usually alongside that person is a friend or a relative or even a carer who knows a lot more about that person. Um, and we call that person a study partner or a consultee. Um, and it's just because during that interview, we ask a lot of questions about um, kind of previous mental health experience and it could be, you know, date back a number of years. So having that person there is really key. Um, but the aim here is to collect data um, about that person's experience of their mental health, their kind of specific unique experience, um, their symptoms that only they will have gone through as much as other people might have similar presentations, theirs will be very unique. Um, and the effect this has had on their daily life over time and how that kind of impact has changed over time, whether it's gotten worse or better, um, whether it's fluctuated over time, um, etc. We uh, look to kind of couple the interview and the genetic data finally with a participant's NHS health record, um, which exists confidentially within NHS trusts and NHS sites who we also work with. Um, and that gives a lot more further context to what might have contributed to a person's mental health. Um, once we've collected all the data we need, so that interview, the blood sample, and paired that with a person's NHS health record, um, we add it to that pre-existing data set that I mentioned earlier. And hopefully once we've done this with many thousands of people, we will have a whole new set of very detailed data, um, which we can eventually use as a brand new set of data um, to conduct further clinical research. Again, aimed at understanding further the, you know, these disorders, much as we are doing here, um, establishing new ways to reduce mental health stigma and that barrier to access and treatment, and ultimately to help us develop new treatments and tests for them. Fabulous. Yeah, it's, I'm sure there's another project happening that we've, we were supporting with kind of the communication side of things a couple of years ago, and it's about that kind of like personalised medicine. That's kind of like the next forefront, obviously, for what a lot of researchers are attempting. And it is exciting to hear that there's this, you know, this database being built for mental health that hasn't really existed before for researchers to be able to access, obviously all anonymized. But like, yeah, it kind of feels, it often feels working in this area that like mental health is a little bit behind a lot of other conditions, like particularly physical conditions that people have taken more seriously for a lot longer. Um, so yeah, it's exciting to hear that this is happening and it, you know the building blocks are there and it's actually... Is gaining momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think something that's really key here is that Sue mentioned it earlier that everyone's got mental health, but it just can look different for different people, and mental health can become unwell, as can physical health. And I think, as I mentioned here, stigma is a huge factor of what we're investigating here, and kind of reducing that stigma. And something that I personally think is really key to that is recognizing that every single person's experience of their mental health um, and the cognitive impairment, cognitive decline, if they've got that, is unique to them. And their experience and their unique story is what's important in the data and something we should be reflecting as we go forward. Thank you, George. We'll just make a note of that then. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next question I wanted to come to you about was, what do you think when you first heard about the UK Minds research? Obviously, the two two sides of it are kind of important to you. Do you feel like you come across something like this before or was it kind of like quite, did it sound exciting and new? It definitely sounded exciting to me um, because I, I feel so strongly that research is the way forward. 
I, I'm involved in two or three projects uh, similar to this, uh, one which is about hearing and dementia or hearing loss and dementia. Um, but the idea that, that we could look at the mental health side of things as well was, was to me, really positive because, again, George has touched on stigma. And, you know, there is still so much stigma around, not just with mental health issues, but with dementia. You know, I was I was ashamed when I was first diagnosed. I thought it was my fault and therefore something to be embarrassed about. So to be in a forum where we can talk openly about these issues and the fact that, you know, we are all different. Um, George, George, you mentioned earlier about um, you know, it manif manifesting itself in different ways. It, that's the same with dementia. No two people living with dementia are the same. Even if um, you and I had been diagnosed on the same day with the same dementia, we would be different. You know, um, people talk a lot about memory loss. Now, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I do have a really good, strong memory for the distant past. Um, and, you know, people often say, uh, oh, you seem fine but they have no idea of what, about what goes on day to day and what, what sort of struggles we have. Um, so, yeah, so the project appealed to me because I want to be as involved as possible in any research that's going to help other people. Yeah, something that was I was just thinking about as you were saying that then, I think particularly with dementia, it obviously is something that happens, you know, like you were saying, George, like as we age, so it is happening to a lot of older people. But is it kind of important for you, Sue, to kind of change how it's seen a little bit like that so it's kind of not brushed off as you know I feel like older people are often brushed off aren't they it's that kind of yeah generational thing sadly um but is, is that something that's kind of spoken to you and you're raising awareness and raising fundraising around it it definitely has one of the things I was involved in very early on was a tv program called the restaurant that makes mistakes and there were 14 of us all with a dementia diagnosis who set up and ran uh, a, a, a restaurant for five weeks in Bristol. And the idea was to show that we can still contribute and that we can still do positive things. And on that uh, programme, there was a young man called Jordan Adams who was diagnosed with um, a faulty gene at 23. Now, he will go on to develop frontotemporal dementia which sadly he lost his mother, his aunt and some cousins to. And Jordan is actually now, um, like me, a media uh, commentator for Alzheimer's Research UK and, and is showing that it isn't just old people. And we said this on the programme because all of us were of working age and not on, you know, not on a scrap heap, not sitting in, in, a, in a care home dribbling. And I don't mean that in any derogatory sense because... People listening to this may well have a loved one with dementia who doesn't know who they are, doesn't know what day it is. I'm really fortunate that I can still do as much as I do. And I'm doing it so that people in future don't have to go through this heartache. Um, and talking about figures, the, the figures are suggesting that if we don't do something now, eventually one in two people will be affected by dementia, whether it is that they develop it themselves or they have a loved one who develops it. So, you know, this is why research is so key. Yeah, I think, yeah, I often find that people don't seem to understand, particularly charities like ARUK, you know, it's the research that's going to get us through this 
we need as many people as possible to take part yes it's, things don't just magically happen somebody doesn't wake up one no. morning no. and think of the answer <laughs> um yeah and I, I just I don't think particularly around mental health around neurological conditions mm. I don't think the understanding is there that we need the numbers it's- I think you're absolutely right and I think one of the complexities of certainly in my experience of dementia is that a there are so many dementias and b there isn't enough funding still to because researchers with dementia have got to go back to create brain cells because you can't work on a live brain you know with with heart condition you can work on a heart you can work on livers you can work on lungs you can't work on a live brain uh, it, it, it's just not possible so the researchers have got to go back even further if you like back to the um, the petri dish stage to work on cells that way um and you know these things take years research as you say doesn't happen overnight however now is a very very exciting time because there are two drugs that we're hoping are going to be released onto the market for uh, people living with alzheimer's which are called lecanemab and we call it donakibab but it's not it's don donanimab um, <laughs> and and the hope is that both those will be available uh, this year 2024 for people living with alzheimer's somebody said to me in a radio interview not that long ago oh how do you feel about the fact that it's just alzheimer's um and you've got vascular dementia well we've got to start somewhere and as george pointed out earlier there are more people living with alzheimer's than there are with the other dementias um so if you can start with the alzheimer's then you know that that's a, a great starting point you know it does kind of feel like progress for all that they've managed to get to that point doesn't it absolutely yes yeah i was just coming back to you george again and just going to say how can someone with dementia actually take part in the research if it's kind of uh, piqued their interest listening to us chatting today so we're we're obviously still recruiting for the project um and we're really really interested in speaking with anyone who's got any kind of experience of mental health disorder or dementia disorder alzheimer's disease um or suffers from a cognitive impairment Taking part can look um, or can involve quite a specific set of kind of um, routine, I suppose. So I'll take Sue as an example, since she's here sat with us. Um, Myself and my colleague Gab visited Sue um, and her home up in England a couple of months ago now. Um, And what we went through was a consent form, first and foremost, um, which just sort of concerns what we're up to, kind of your ethical rights as a participant. Once that's filled out, we'll go through the interview for the study. Um, The interview lasts about an hour and just concerns lots of things like Sue's kind of diagnoses, Sue's symptoms, what she has and has not got experience of. And then we sort of chart that sort of case history. So we'd be looking at when Sue's vascular dementia would have developed um, initially and how that would have fluctuated first and foremost over the first couple of weeks and months. Um, And then over the years, how that's maybe, um, you know, how her cognitive impairment has either increased in severity or decreased potentially um, or fluctuated between the two over time. Then we take a blood sample from participants. And again, that blood sample is used for kind of extended biomarker analyses. We're looking at the genetic kind of causes here and what can influence, you know, someone's mental health presentation or their dementia presentation in terms of biology. We then, of course, link that data with um, NHS health records. But in terms of how someone can actually take part in this, we recruit from a number of different sources and we recruit kind of quite widely across the UK, um, namely Wales and England um, in Cardiff, of course, um, and then at various NHS sites. 
the best way I can suggest to you to take part, if anything, it was piqued your interest or you think you might be suitable for a study or just interested um, in helping us out and in sharing your kind of unique experience of these things, um, would be to visit our website, which is www.nhcmh.info forward slash help dash with dash research. Um, there are a couple of online forms you can fill out at that link. And once you fill those out and kind of explain to us what your experience is, someone from our team will get back in touch with you. We'll give you a ring or an email if you prefer. Um, and we can talk about which studies that we run you might be suitable for. Um, of course, here we are talking about the UK Minds project, but the NCMH as a whole runs a number of different um, experiments and studies, um, all concerning themselves with a variety of both psychiatric and more neurological conditions like dementias and Alzheimer's. Um, so even if you, it comes to it and you're not suitable for UK Minds project, um, I'm very certain that you'd be able to help out with another study we're running at the moment. And I really do encourage you to get in touch. We really value your personal experience. Um, and we're learning all the time that every person we speak with offers something really valuable and very specific them to our research that we just wouldn't have before. Thank you, George. I was just wanted to note as well that I'll make sure to share the links and everything so it's easy as possible for people to find. Uh, we'll pop it in the notes and we'll share it on social media and stuff when the when the episode goes out. So, um, George, do do we um, do we advertise through Join Dementia Research? Absolutely, we do. Yes, so we're advertising the study quite widely there. Um, UK Minds is a project. If you're a member of that website, you can sign up to. Um, Joint Dementia Research is a kind of research portal on the internet um, with hundreds of thousands of participants across the UK um, who are people who live with dementia disorders um, or indeed Alzheimer's disorders. And those people are entirely welcome to take part with us. Um, we sort of are making calls routinely most days out to participants on that website um, and getting in touch and asking you a number of questions about your mental health um, and about your experience of any cognitive impairment or dementia you've got experience of um, and ascertaining whether you'd be suitable to take part in our study. And if you are, we're absolutely inviting you to take part. So um, this is entirely another, you know, another method completely of uh, taking part in our research. If you're interested, please give um, Joint Dementia Research a Google or a lookup um, and sign up if you think that's the right thing. And hopefully we'll be in touch with you that way too. Yes, I, um, I, I've been involved in several projects through Joint Dementia Research and it's, uh, it, it's very easy to use. Um, can I just go back to a couple of the points that, that, um, that you were making, George, about my visit to, uh, sorry, your visit to me? Absolutely. Um, I, I, um, I was anxious about the visit, I must admit, because I didn't quite know what it was going to involve. But it was such a good experience. It was also very positive. Um, and I think because Sheila, my partner, was there with me, it made it even easier. And I think that that's something that, that I would like to share with, with others who live with dementia, is that take a friend with you, have a friend, have a partner, have, have a carer, if that's your situation. Um, because they can help it with the input as well. Uh, and in fact, Sheila took notes of your visit so that I could look back over them because I don't actually remember it particularly well, but I do remember that it was a positive experience. And, and that's something that people living with dementia very often will remember a feeling about an event uh, rather than the specifics of it. So yeah, so I don't, I don't get shock horror thoughts when I remember you and Gabby coming to see me. <laughs> Um, so, yes, absolutely. Um, and it, it was all a very easy process. Um, and the fact that you went through the questionnaire with me beforehand was particularly helpful. And I think that that would be the case. There may be people living with dementia who you interview who perhaps don't have the, the same awareness that I do, but that's where their carer or their friend or their companion can come in and help. Brilliant. Thanks for that context, Sue. 
it is nice to hear because obviously we always try to include somebody that's got lived experience and they've usually yes. taken part in yeah. our yeah. conversations and it is always always lovely to hear that they've had a positive experience with us because <laughs> you know we, we understand that it's it's not necessarily an easy thing to go through no. we're asking no. questions about obviously what you're living with day to day I was going to ask you, say, what would you, what, is there something you would say to people who are considering taking part in research and are maybe a bit reluctant? I think I, I might have said before, but but being involved with research has been so good for my well-being. Um, it just feels as though I'm able to contribute and to help others. And I think that that's a really good motivation for people. Um, there's nothing to be afraid of with it at all. Um in fact, if anything, it can enhance your understanding of what's going on for you. That Again, that's speaking for people who perhaps have uh, a higher functioning, people living with dementia. Um, the other thing, too, is, is that I think it's really important because we're all different, that we share our different experiences because that will add to the learning for you researchers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't know if it's a bit of a kind of like cliche question, but it was um, one thing I wanted to ask you before we finish the call was, is there a key thing that you want people to know about dementia or maybe living with dementia? We are all different. I cannot emphasise that enough. It's not a one size fits all. And so, you um, you know, you meet one person with dementia, you've met one person with dementia. And don't, you know, please don't make assumptions about us. Yes, I've got dementia, but I can remember all sorts of things. Um, I get very tired. Uh, that's my probably my biggest symptom is fatigue. Um, but yeah, we are all different. And, and please treat us as the human beings that we are to, and don't make assumptions about us. But also, I think um, anybody who's sort of recently been, di been diagnosed Try to be as positive as you can. Yes, dementia is a devastating diagnosis and sometimes it is still possible to live well with that diagnosis. Um, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I still come across people who are embarrassed that their partner has got dementia. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and try to get help. Try and get some help locally because a lot of people living with dementia are very isolated, which will then impact on their mental health. So I think we've, you know, we've always come full circle, haven't we, with with the two the two subjects there. Yeah, no, important points. I think, yeah, the idea of kind of not feeling like you can reach out because there's a shame attached to it as well is heartbreaking. Mm. Um, yeah. So is that for you? Are there kind of like groups that you're part of that you've kind of found since the diagnosis, or is it more for you kind of like family support and friends and understanding there? My my biggest support group is actually a group of fellow runners who I met when I first ran the London Marathon uh, and we still meet up. We meet online a lot. Um, and in fact, my next fundraising uh, exploit is for this year's London Marathon. There is a team of 22 friends of mine running and they're running as Sue's crew, um, which is, is just amazing. And we're hoping to raise £40,000 for Alzheimer's Research UK uh, already people are fundraising um, and it's it's very heartwarming it's also slightly embarrassing but hey ho uh, I've been described as a media tart and I don't care <laughs> you're very much just going to lead into it <laughs> yeah yeah use it yeah use it to your advantage yes yeah <laughs> 
if um, I can just add there, I, I yep. do follow Sue's running Instagram, um, Sue's crew on Instagram, oh. on Instagram, and they are a fantastic account, really entertaining content, and you should absolutely give them a follow just to keep up to date on AR research um, oh, and just yeah. to see what they're up to and keep an eye on that London Marathon. It sounds like really good stuff. Yeah, I don't do Insta. I have actually got an Insta account, but I can really only cope with Facebook. Um, so I've got an admin team who do <laughs> who do all the 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 promotion and stuff and in fact the young man I mentioned Jordan Adams he's part of Sue's crew and he was on Good Morning Britain this morning uh, talking about him and his brother who has also been diagnosed at 23 and they are part of Sue's crew but they're also um, running from John O'Groats to Land's End in September this year um, and we're going to be doing a lot of publicity and promotion around that as well because they've decided that they that they're going to devote the rest of their lives however short that may be to fund and awareness raising so and it's lovely to to feel that um having met jordan what six years ago our friendship has developed and both of us are able to be sort of good ambassadors if you like for the charity and to show a positive side to dementia which I think I've said before, a lot of people listening to this may say, I don't get that. I don't understand how you can be positive about it, but I actually have to be positive. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're and, such, you're such sorry. a say. I'm sure somebody's told, I'm sure people have told you that before, but you know, it is, <laughs> I mean that completely positively. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the other thing just to mention, George, you often talk about Alzheimer's and dementia in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. And yet, you did earlier mention that dementia is the umbrella term and Alzheimer's is a dementia. I think sometimes, and sorry, this isn't a critic, it's a constructive criticism. For me, I only talk about dementia mm -hmm. because although I've got vascular dementia and I understand that Alzheimer's is the most prevalent, it, occasionally it, it probably would help to just, just say dementia. Okay. You don't always have to add the Alzheimer's bit. It just depends, I guess, on your audience, because a lot of people out there do still think that they're different things. And also because our charity's name is Alzheimer's Research. However, they are researching all types of dementia. So sorry, that sounded a bit nitpicky. No, no. Oh, please, by no means. It's something, to be honest with you, my education teaches me, has taught me that they're different things. And it's something I've only recently learned through this work is that they are, right. they are, kind of it's an umbrella that yeah, encompasses as you say it's the umbrella people. term that is the easiest way to explain to people mm. and and you know w when I do my talks I tend to talk about how the umbrella has Alzheimer's vascular dementia Lewy body frontotemporal um etc um mm. but yeah the umbrella is a, is a really good uh is a is a good tool to use sorry I'm prattling now no no it's because I'm tired. important point Sue. <laughs> uh, happy to include them <laughs> yes are you happy with what we've done? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, um, not at all. Think, was there mm. anything else you'd like to touch on before we kind of bring it to a close? No, I need a cup of tea and a lie down, I'm afraid. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> it's yeah. good to meet you again, George. Good to meet you again, Sue. Thanks so much for your time. I know, really and cool. thank you for following uh, Sue's crew. Yeah, It's I'll been be... really entertaining. I'll never be dropping that now. <laughs> Lovely to meet you both. Take care. I hope London goes well. Thank you so yes, much. Good luck. Um, nice to in, see you soon. Yeah, and let me know when it's going out, will you? Oh, so yes, I we'll can share the arse off it. See, I saved, <laughs> saved my bad language yeah. till now. <laughs> okay, thank take care, so much, both. And thank you, George. Bye. Thanks, Sue. Bye. Thanks, Catherine. Bye bye. bye, -bye. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Peace of Mind podcast. For more information and to take part in the research we discussed today, visit ncmh.info forward slash help. Remember to like, subscribe and share to help us raise awareness and reduce the stigma around mental health conditions. Thanks so much for listening.